your child or grandchild is attending college with all the distractions in our everyday life how hard is it to keep the faith you're tuned to evidence and answers with your host Pat Zucran Pat is an author teacher and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics the defense of the Christian faith in today's broadcast Pat will be interviewing his guest Rob Coons and they will be discussing the challenges that face those pursuing higher education and how hard it is to keep the faith. Here's Pat now with part one. And we have a great guest with us uh, this week. We have Dr. Rob Coons, professor of philosophy there at the University of Texas at Austin, one of the largest public universities here in the United States. Dr. Coons, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Dr. Coons, you've been there on the public university campus for almost two decades now. How would you describe the atmosphere of the university campus today, uh, especially as a Christian is there preparing to embark and walk on the university campus? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say it's, it's gotten increasingly hostile towards the Christian faith, uh, especially in, in the classroom. I, I think um, when I was a student, uh, the vast majority of, of teachers certainly were not Christians, but a lot of people had the attitude that, well, faith is a, is a, is a good thing. I don't, we're not going to uh, attack it or knock it. But I think nowadays the, the view among many faculty is not just that Christianity is misguided and, and um, false, but, but actually pernicious and evil and should be stamped out. So you're, you're definitely a student arriving at almost any uh, university or college day is going to encounter that kind of attitude. Uh, yeah, uh, what you said is quite uh, significant there, that really Christianity is misguided, even perceived as bad or evil. Uh, why is that, and how did that develop? Um, well, it's, I think it's, it has to do with the um, continued drift of the university into a more and more hardline sort of ideology in which um, everything that has that has characterized our society, our civilization over the last several hundred years, is seen as bad, is seen as um, uh, instruments of oppression and, and uh, um, uh, victimizing people and needs to be, uh, needs to be changed. So, uh, so it's part of uh, the, the attack on capitalism and free enterprise, certainly is part of that. The uh, feminist movement that attacks the traditional family, marriage is part of that, and Christianity is seen as uh, is inseparably connected to all that, as as a prop for uh, the uh, free enterprise system, for the traditional family, for marriage, for traditional morals, and all that, uh, which it is to a large extent. So, so the, uh, the university sees Christianity in many ways as the as public enemy number one, so to speak, the thing that really needs to be. Uh, defeated in order to make room for progress and uh, and so on. Now, I know a lot of students, when they go into the university campus, they feel this innate pressure to really conform and go along with the ideology that's being taught there. Right. What are some three or four key ideas or issues that students need to be aware of and prepared uh, to hear a lot of? It's a, it's, a good, it's a great question, because one thing I should say is that is that you're not going to get very much... Um, explicit argument against Christianity. That is, people are not going to say, Christianity is wrong, and here's why. Instead, what they're going to do is uh, assume that it's wrong, assume that, that that way of thinking is wrong-headed. And, and, and that's much, much more difficult to fight, because 
ignoring them without really questioning them, without evaluating them. So some of the, some of the assumptions that I think students are going to find their teachers and their fellow students making are, um, first of all, some kind of relativism or anti-realism, that is, some view that, um, that there's no objective reality out there that our minds are supposed to correspond to. Um, secondly, um, it's not, not entirely consistently, but a view that's sometimes called naturalism or materialism, the view that uh, the world can be completely understood in terms of blind natural physical processes. And then thirdly, a whole set of ideas connected with notions of, of feminism and related ideas, postmodernism, that, that would suggest that um, traditional morality and traditional understandings of the family and sexuality and so on are completely wrong-headed. And that there are no, there are not two sexes, there are many possible genders uh, that, um, that traditional ideas of morality are oppressive and are simply uh, uh, ways of uh, society uh, uh, know, victimizing people. So those, those are sort of three main areas I think that students are going to find. Yeah, and what kind of effect does adopting these kinds of ideas really have on someone's Christian faith? Yeah, um, it, can, it can be pretty devastating um, because you can get, um, I mean, I can take them one at a time. Um, the the um, sort of relativism or intellectual anti-realism can in some ways be attractive to students, as Christian students at first, because it seems as though it's a way of protecting their faith, because they can say, well, at least my faith is true for me. It may not be true for anybody else, but it can still be true for me. But I think that, that once you've made that move, you, you've really fundamentally altered your Christian faith without realizing it, because I think it's, it's essential to Christianity that it makes claims that are universal. That is, it is claiming that there is a God who is the creator of everyone, who will be the judge of everyone, that Jesus is the only way to God, and so on. And you really can't combine those ideas with a view of relativism or a view that says, uh, this doesn't really correspond to reality, this is just a nice set of ideas that I like to, to live by. It, it really subtly turns the Christian faith into a kind of make-believe game. And I think that's, that can have very devastating spiritual Dr. Coons, it's almost like uh, we get the answers down and they change the questions. Uh, I know that uh, right. a lot of uh, college students, uh, uh, thoughtful Christian college students, prepare themselves with apologetics and then go into uh, the university eager to defend the faith and to make good arguments for Christianity. But now it's it's like that's bypassed in a sense. Uh, nobody's even making, like you said, arguments against it. They're just assuming it to be wrong, so wrong-headed that uh, we're not even going to bother arguing about it. That's what I, it seems like you're saying. Right. And I don't think it follows from that that, that apologetics is, is less important. Uh, in fact, I think it's in some ways even more important than ever. But it does mean yeah. that students have to understand that they can't assume that, um, that their professors and their students are going to share a view of uh, of objective reality that can be rationally discussed and, and for which there's a single truth. Um, I think that, in fact, when push comes to shove, that's what every human being deep down believes, whatever they may say. But there's going to be some smoke screens and some defensive mechanisms there that one has to be aware of and, and, uh, and able to confront. Mm, yeah, Dr. Coons, you know, as a student and as a professor, uh, what kind of challenges do you encounter there on the university campus in regards to your faith and the things that you believe? Well, 
I mean, I have to say, on the one hand, I don't want to um, exaggerate the picture, exaggerate the, 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 the threat. So, um, so in particular, I don't want to discourage students from considering an academic career. Um, I've not suffered any kind of uh, real discrimination, I don't think, uh, through my academic career. I have to say that my colleagues have been very fair-minded. Um, I mean, they, they think that... Um, now, I have to say that, that to some extent that's been uh, uh, a product of some prudence on my part, that uh, coming into the um, academic uh, career early on, I didn't push the explicitly Christian stuff up front, so to speak. I did a lot of work that could be whose value could be recognized widely by people, even without a Christian faith. And, uh, you know, spent quite a few years developing that credibility and getting that respect based on that sort of work. Uh, but then, I mean, they knew all along I was a Christian, and, and the Christian stuff has certainly been a significant part of my, my work, and I've not suffered any real discrimination as a result of that. So I have to say to the credit of the academic world, especially in philosophy, I think that's, that's generally true. Um, but what I think once... What, what, well, uh, looking back, I'd say that for myself, probably the most critical period was in graduate school. And I was really blessed to be in a graduate program at UCLA back in the, in the 80s, where there were several Christian faculty members in the department and a significant group, not the majority by any means, but a significant group of fellow Christian graduate students. I think that if, if a student is thinking about graduate school and perhaps even thinking about an academic career, that's very important to look for in that, in that graduate school experience, because graduate school is like a six- to eight-year-long boot camp, and it can, it, can, it can radically change your way of thinking and your way of, of, of being. And uh, it's very important to have that Christian fellowship, and not just, a, not just Christian fellowship, but fellowship with Christians who share your intellectual interests to sustain faith through that, through that period. Yeah, I think you bring up really two good points. Uh, first of all, you know, as Christians, uh, we don't have to go in there and preach and defend our position every time we see here something that really opposes our view. There's really nothing wrong with mastering the material and being a great student and understanding what the professor is teaching so that you gain that credibility you talked about when it comes time and opportune time for you to share uh, what your position is. Dr. Dr. Wojciechowski said said the same thing. He said that uh, you can come in guns blazing and actually maybe be a little more, a little counterproductive. Right. Uh, and we need to be wise, as the scriptures say, in the way that we act toward outsiders. That's especially true, I think, in classroom settings. That's right, yeah. And, I, you know, I think there are times in which a Christian student can have a very significant impact on the classroom and even on his teachers, because, um, uh, I mean, a, a well-prepared Christian student will know a great deal more about Christianity and about the evidences for Christianity and, and some of the arguments against relativism, against naturalism, than his, than his own teachers, well, even than his own philosophy teachers in many cases. So we've got something to contribute to the conversation there, but we have to do it sensitively and with, um, uh, in, the, in the appropriate place and appropriate time. We're back here with Dr. Rob Coons, professor of philosophy at the University of Texas, and we've been talking about some of the challenges that Christian students can expect on a public university campus. Well, now we're going to be talking about how to equip yourself to effectively be a witness for Christ there on the university campus. And uh, Dr. Coons, if you could have a college prep program, you know, what would your program include? How would you recommend that students prepare themselves for the university campus? 
Yes. Um, well, I know that um, you, you work with Pro Ministry, and they, they have these um, mind game conferences uh, around, the, around the country. I know there are several here in Texas. Um, I've, I've always recommended those. I think those are excellent. Um, and it, it, you know, there's, there's something that you can gain by going to an actual conference, talking to people that, that's hard to duplicate just by, by reading uh, on your own. Um, so I, I think that that's a good thing to do. There, there are a number of other programs similar to that that one can uh, one can find. Um, uh, I wish I wish you know the church did a better job of that. I really think that every church ought to have uh, promote something like that for its students that are going into college because there's there's certainly some uh, forearming that needs to be done. Yeah, we send them to college and have them chewed up so often. I mean, they go armed with the latest praise choruses, and that's fine, and, and, and armed with the scriptures, and that's awesome. But uh, come on, uh, they're going to encounter all kind of things uh, in, the, uh, in the classroom that uh, they need to be able to deal with. And, you know, it's good to have your faith scrutinized. You've probably seen that in your career, Dr. Coons. I mean, a Christian student coming in and having his worldview just really challenged probably for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was an undergraduate student, uh, there was a point at which I, I thought, well, I could go one of two ways here. I could, because I started taking some philosophy courses and found them really interesting. And I said, well, I could go that way, but my faith may come under a lot of challenge. I may find some, you know, learn some disturbing things, uh, or I could retreat from all that and uh, into a, a purely subjective, experiential kind of a Christian faith. And I decided to go the first route, and I'm really glad that I did because um, although my you know, certainly my ideas have been challenged. Um, I've never encountered anything for which there wasn't a good answer. Uh, I think, you know, I think that, um, you know, and I'm, I've been exposed to a lot of it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nothing out there, uh, in fact, that, that is a kind of knockdown argument against Christian faith. Uh, in fact, far from it. Um, we have, uh, and, and, and we have the right answers, and they're pretty easy to understand and pretty easy to convey. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how well the Christian faith holds up under the intense scrutiny of brilliant people? I mean, yeah, it, it, it really is. is. I mean, and in the end, it, that's very encouraging to one's faith and, and, uh, and, and increases one's boldness, I think, to realize that. Yeah, you say it with a lot of confidence there. You know, I've never encountered anything that has not had an answer. Where should the Christian go to find answers? Should he be posed some challenges in the classrooms and questions that he may not be able to answer? Well, probe. Yeah, <laughs> probe well. ministry is very good. Evidenceandanswers.com. Um, uh-huh. yeah. There are a number of things on the web now. The web is a very helpful resource. Um, there's the uh, leaderu.com, the leadership university that um, uh, Camps Crusade uh, manages. And I'm sure you guys know about a number of other good uh, sources you can recommend on the web as well. Hey, Dr. Coons, I was going to ask you this. Uh, uh, William Lane Craig and J.P. Moreland, if I'm reading them right, they seem to indicate that on the professional level in philosophy, uh, atheist philosophers are no longer touting the problem of evil as an argument against God. It's kind of gone out of fashion in that philosophers have realized that God exists and evil exists are not necessarily exclusive, uh, that uh, God could have a good reason for evil and so forth. And we, it's still a problem we need to grapple with. But they say that that's not quite as popular as it once was. What professors tend to go toward now in arguing against Christianity are hiddenness of God uh, arguments. And that is, why isn't God more obvious? Why doesn't he do a few more Red Sea partings? 
right. and some things like that. Are, are, what are your thoughts on that? Are they right, or what have you seen? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I think if you talk to the average prof- philosophy professor who hasn't really studied this subject, you probably will get the problem of evil fairly early on. But if you're talking to somebody who's made a made a serious study of philosophy of religion, uh, then no, I don't think it's going to come up, um, at least uh, not, not as prominently as it once did. People like Alan Plantinga, uh, at Notre Dame now, um, have just have, have laid out the answers to that so clearly and so powerfully that um, this is clearly but the, the agnostics and atheists on the defensive on that, on that point now. Good. Oh, okay. You know, Dr. Coons, you said at our Mind Games conference that the Christian student has to work twice as hard as the average student because they have to be a master of two books. What do you mean by that? Well, um, yeah, I can't remember exactly the context in which I said that, but, but the idea is that um, you, you've got, on the one hand, master the material that, that your professor is asking you to study. Because, again, for those reasons, first of all, the reasons just of credibility, but also, I mean, there's good, useful information there. But at the same time, a Christian student's also constantly got to be relating this to his or her Christian worldview. And, and that means you've got to find what's the Christian perspective on these same subjects. And that may involve doing a great deal, well, not a great deal, but a significant amount of outside work. Um, and what's interesting about that is not only will that then enable a student both to protect his own faith and to be more effective witness, it in fact will, will make him a better student in the subject matter that the professor has assigned. Because if, you, if you're thinking about that material more deeply, and more, uh, more philosophically, one might say, you're going to actually understand that position better than, than the person uh, presenting it. So, for instance, in the last few years, I've been thrust into this Darwinism versus intelligent design debate. And, and my impression is the people that are working on that understand Darwinism and the arguments for Darwinism better than many Darwinists do. Um, because they they again have this have this perspective on that that that, that the average um, person working on the subject uh, doesn't have, and I think Christ, I found this myself in Christian students as well. Christian students who study, let's say, evolution, are going to come out of the course understanding the theory of evolution better than the average student, um, not necessarily agreeing with it, but understanding it better. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's that's, that's incredible. That's very encouraging. Yeah, it, uh, it, I mean, I make this case sometimes to, the, to my Darwinist colleagues that, that um, you know, even if they thought that intelligent design was completely wrong, it still could have significant pedagogical value uh, to introduce it into the classroom. And it would, it would, help, it would help the Darwinists understand their theory better if they could understand uh, the criticisms that are being made of it. Exactly, yeah. yeah it's interesting just... to me that the evolutionists are so afraid of these criticisms that they just went to censor them entirely. Uh, orthodoxies die hard. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good to hear from a guy uh, there on the university campus in the realm of ideas and mixing it up with the uh, scholarship there. You know, you stated that there's really nothing for a Christian student to be afraid of on the university campus if they're equipped and informed and, and, and ready for the challenges ahead. Isn't that right? I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I mean, what they're going to encounter is that, that most of their fellow students and, and teachers just assume that it's obvious that Christianity is false and that somebody somewhere back there proved it was. They don't really know the arguments themselves. And so a, a student who's, who's done some reading on this will be much more informed on those issues than even his teachers in most cases. When I went to college, I was armed with apologetics. I was ready for that. What I wasn't ready for was the girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to be prepared if you're a young Christian man going in. Yeah. All those girls. 
You know? <laughs> well, that's that's right. I mean, in, in my my friend Jay Budaszewski's book on um, staying Christian in college, there's a, a couple of chapters on the social aspects, sexual aspects of college, and that's something that has to be taken seriously, I think. Yeah, you know, um, graduating from a elite private high school, you know, I thought I was a pretty smart guy. Suddenly I'm on the university campus, and I'm suddenly realizing these professors got PhDs, you know, some of them multiple PhDs, and I was really intimidated uh, when they would be sharing their ideas, and I knew that it was contrary to what the Bible was teaching, but just uh, the intimidation factor, and when he would pose questions, and he wanted, you know, Christians to stand up and say something to him, and you got the entire class kind of staring, looking around, seeing who's going to raise their hand, and... Uh, you know, challenge this professor or answer his challenge, you know, what should a Christian student do? Should they find themselves in that kind of uh, uh, arena in the classroom? Well, um, that's a good question. Um, it's hard for me to come up with a real simple answer to that. Uh, I think, you know, I think it, it's going to take a certain amount of, uh, of wisdom. Um, look, um, it, it, it's, it's almost certainly going to happen that, that a Christian is in some cases going to speak up and get shot down because they aren't prepared on that particular point. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Um, I mean, I think uh, one can learn from that. One can say, okay, here's something I do need to look into. And you shouldn't feel that, um, you know, that God has called us to a life of infallibility or something, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, we're going to learn from those mistakes, and that's fine. So I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to discourage students from, from speaking up in class. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, we talked a lot of last couple of weeks about going in there with a spirit of humility and gentleness yes. uh, when we're presenting our case, even when we're asking questions of the professor, right. uh, trying to expose maybe some weaknesses or some areas in his argument that right. may not be so strong. That's, that's very important, actually. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, Norman Geisler said that uh, he would back off because he wanted to get a passing grade sometime when he was a student. Sure. He would uh, start pointing out some fallacies because he was studying the things, but he didn't want to just nail the professor so hard that uh, he would he, he would lose faith. He wouldn't save face and uh, look bad in front of the class, you know, things like that. But go ahead. Right. No, that, that's true. I think one should be sensitive to that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's more important that we um, conduct ourselves um, humanely right, than, the, than that we win arguments. We've had a great time with Dr. Rob Coons. Dr. Rob Coons, thanks for being on the show and... Dr. Rob Coons is also an author. You can get some of his books out there and some of the great books you're going to want to get that he's written chapters in is uh, Uncommon Descent and Rationality of Theism. And he's got several great articles. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.